Welcome to the Strongstown United Methodist Church. Join us for worship each Sunday morning at 11. Here's this week's message. All right, my scripture reading today comes from Genesis 37. I'll be reading 1 to 4, and I'm also reading 12 to 28, and then Matthew 14, 22 to 33. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel lived, loved Joseph. Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks, and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, What are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go down to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of this dreamer. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the desert, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and mirth, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. And then from Matthew, 
14. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the winds, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. This is an interesting story. If you notice, we've been working on kind of a series. Talked about Abraham a few months back. Then we talked about his son Isaac. And now Isaac's son Jacob. Um, last week I talked about Jacob wrestling with God. Jacob had that opportunity that God himself wrestled with Jacob. And we know that when morning came, the man, who was God, said, Leave me go. But Jacob said, Not until you bless me. And he blessed him, but he also touched his hip and put it, a socket out of place. This section of the Bible, to me, is a very interesting story. As I was trying to do the sermon, I'm thinking about, you know, we do Bible study on Tuesday nights, and there's times that we get into sections of the Bible that gets hard to understand. Sometimes it's a little bit boring. But this section of the Bible is very interesting. When it talks about the generations from Abraham, who was loved by God, who was righteous in God's eyes, who had a son at a very old age, and that son uh, became an important person in the Bible also. So it was Abraham, Isaac. Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. And we know that they had a fight and Jacob left home. Jacob went to Padamaran to find a wife. And after many years there, actually about 20 years, God told him to return to his homeland, the land of Canaan. And it's interesting, if you look at what we read in Psalm, the responsive reading, it talks about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and how they were promised the land of Canaan. So Jacob goes back to the land of Canaan to face his brother who had threatened to kill him, but yet they make amends of things. Now they're not living exactly together, but they're apart in the same area, but they're still in Canaan. 
And we know that while he was in Padam Haram, he got two wives. He got Leah and Rachel, two sisters. But he loved Rachel more than he loved Leah. And it's interesting, the first sons he got, shall we say, was from Leah. And then when Rachel wasn't able to give him sons, she gave him her maidservant. Her maidservant gave him sons. Leah's maidservants also gave him sons. But yet in their older age, Rachel finally had a son. And that son was Joseph. Now most of us know the story. If we talk about Joseph, we talk about the coat of many colors, right? This description talks about an ornamental robe. But I did go back and find one in a different version that says, if I can find the right place here. Yeah, I can't find what I wanted to read now because you know how it is, you're looking for it. But it says that it was a, um, okay. He gave Joseph a special gift, a beautiful robe. A beautiful robe. One of my found said a colorful robe. So it depends on the version. But we know that most of the time when we talk about Joseph, we talk about the coat of many colors. So I know that it's not specified exactly what this coat was or what it looks like, but Joseph became Jacob's favorite son because he had him in his old age and because he was birthed to the woman that he loved the most. So Joseph was sent to go check on the brothers. He was tending the flocks with them, and it says he gave their father a bad report about the other brothers. Now, we don't know exactly what that report was, but he told his father that the sons to, to the other wives and to the maidservants was apparently doing something for their benefit more so than for their fathers. So this, of course, made the other brothers dislike Joseph that much more. It was bad enough that he was given this coat that was so different. Now they would all have had a coat of some kind, but my research told me that it would have been a plain material. Most of the time it would have been without sleeves, and most of the time it would only have been below the knee. But Joseph's coat, from what I found out, would have had long sleeves, it would have been clear to the ground, and in this case it would have been colorful, and also with some kind of ornaments upon it. Now we can all use our own imagination on that and see or, or think about what that coat might be like. But it's interesting that usually a coat of this style would have been something that would have meant royalty. So this again would have been something that would have made his brothers dislike him that much more. So it says that the part that I didn't read in between talks about Joseph having two dreams. One of the dreams, he said that he, he was, um, they were out in the field uh, sheaving the grain. And I don't know if you've ever been around the old style of doing the wheat and oats. It, you see it probably with the Amish country where it's made into a sheave. Actually did that when I was a kid. And then they would stack them together to dry out before they'd be taken to a thrashing machine. But he said that 
his sheep had stood up and, and the brother's sheep had all bowed down to him. So they didn't like him more because of this dream. And then he goes on to say that he had a second dream. And in the second dream, he said, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars bowed down to Joseph. Now, we know that these dreams were something that actually happens in the very far future. But it's something to think about. How did they handle this? Joseph, when I was reading about him, tells me that he probably at a young age was very um, boisterous, very outspoken. He was probably the type of person that most people don't like because he was pretty confident of himself. The brothers, of course, not being liked as well, were more upset because of how he acted. But then the father sends him to go check on the brothers. Now this story gets really interesting because they plot to kill him. Now we know there's other stories in the Bible where brothers have killed brothers. And here's a situation where these brothers intend to kill him. But it says that um, Reuben tried to save him. Now Reuben would have been the oldest of the sons. And Reuben would have been responsible, being the oldest, he was pretty much responsible for all of the other brothers. So Reuben tries to talk the brothers into not killing him. He says, let's just throw him into this cistern. It would apparently have been like a, a hand-dug well that apparently had no water in it. Maybe just a big ditch that they, when it would rain, it would collect the water. So they decided, yes, they'll throw him into the cistern. Reuben was planning on going back later and retrieving him from there and taking him home to his father. But as we know, that didn't happen. Because as they were sitting down to eat, as they were having their lunch, they see the Ishmaelites coming by. And it's interesting because they also say Ishmaelites and Midianites, same people. Sometimes there's two names for people in the Bible. Just like when we talk about Jacob, we know that God also told Jacob his name would be Israel. So his father was referred to in some cases, and even in this particular chapter, part of it says Jacob, part of it says Israel. But the brothers decide now to sell Joseph. And we know the story that he was sold into slavery, he was taken down to Egypt. But that's something that we'll get into later on. I don't want to get ahead of myself on the story. But I want you to think about what these brothers were plotting, what was going on in their minds, how they was trying to get rid of Joseph because of the person that he was, the person that their father liked. But I believe that all this was God's plan. It didn't matter if the brothers wanted to kill him. It didn't matter if they sold him into slavery. I believe it was God being in control. And I believe that even as bad as things are today, and I know we're all complaining because of the COVID, we're complaining because people have lost jobs, we're complaining because society is so bad right now, but I believe that God is in control. And God is still working His plan. And this plan that we read about in the book of Genesis that happened thousands of years ago was God's plan. And we know how that plan made steps as we go along from Abraham 
to Isaac, to Jacob, and now to Joseph. And we will read further on about the things that happened to Joseph, how he went down to Egypt, and how eventually they had the exodus. But God was in control. And God was making things happen His way. And I believe that's what's happening today. We don't always see that, and we're not always in favor of what's going on, believe me. We're not in favor, right? We're not in favor of having COVID. We're not in favor of the problems that are happening around us. And just like he probably wasn't in favor of becoming a slave, God was doing his plan. God is working his plan each and every day. And God's plan is not always our plan. It's not always what we want, and it's not always what we plan. But it's God's plan that will make the difference. But what we have to learn to do is accept that plan and to work with it. And we talk about the story of Jesus walking on water. I want you to think about this particular scripture because it says Jesus made his disciples to get into the boat. He made those disciples. He talked them into getting in that boat and leaving him behind. And he sent them out onto that water. And when they got out onto the water, he dispersed the crowd that he had around him that was listening to him. And what does it say he did? He went on to the mountain to spend time in prayer. Now it always amazes me because Jesus in his own deity took time to pray. And I think sometimes we lack in that. I know I falter on that sometimes. I don't always pray as often as I should. And I think if we all think about it, we probably are guilty of that to some extent. Because Jesus wants to hear from us. God wants to speak to us. And so Jesus himself speaks to the Father. Spends time in prayer. But then it says, during the fourth watch of the night, which according to their time would have been somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m. in the morning. Sometime during the early hours of the morning, Jesus goes out onto the lake to meet up with the disciples. Now the disciples apparently aren't getting very far because of the wind that's against them. But it says that when Jesus came walking on the water, when he was walking on the water and they saw him, they were afraid. They thought it was a ghost. But what happens? Jesus says, it's I. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. I thought that was kind of interesting. Why would Peter say, I should come to you? He should have said, Jesus should come to me, right? I guess it could be either way. But Peter gets out of the boat and walks on the water. Now, I have a book at home that I thought about. I should have brought it along. It says, you can't walk on the water if you don't get out of the boat. So I think it's something we all need to think about is do we need to get out of our boat? Or do we need to just get out of our comfort zone to be able to do something for Jesus Christ? There's a lot of things that we can do, just like what Jesus was doing for the disciples. I believe that Jesus walked on that water I believe that he allowed Peter to walk on that water so that they could see who he was, see what he was, and see how it would make a big difference in their lives. Because of what he did, because of what they saw, 
I believe it changed their attitude. I wonder how many times there's things that happen in our lives that make such a difference because we saw that happen. Because we saw someone that was saved or because we saw someone whose life was turned around. It makes a difference in our lives. And because of that, Jesus was trying to make a difference in those disciples' lives. He was trying to get them to understand that they need to get out of the boat. They need to get out of that comfort zone that they're in and go out and preach the Word. When He got into the boat, He told them, You of little faith, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And they recognized that He was the Son of God. That He was the Son of God. Here again, I believe this story is something that's telling us that God is in control. That God was trying to do something so that they could see who He was. So that we, by reading this story, can understand who Jesus Christ really is. And it should make a difference in our lives. Has anybody ever tried to walk on water? Okay. Just thought I'd bring that up there. We, we used to make a joke when I was trucking. You can walk on water in the wintertime in Minnesota when the water's frozen. But I believe, I believe that if we had enough faith, we probably could. But we lack that faith. And I'm not trying to condemn anybody because I probably would fit in that same shoes. You know, Jesus said, if we have faith as small as a mustard seed, a grain of mustard seed, can you imagine? It's so small, it's probably much, much bigger than the tip of a pencil. But if we have that kind of faith, He said, we can do anything. Anything. And I believe as we read the Bible, as we study the Scriptures, as we learn the things of the past, the history that we need to read and study, we can learn that they also lack that faith. They also fell short. It's like we feel, we feel like we fall short too. But I believe if we have the faith in God, we can do anything. And I believe what God is trying to tell us, not necessarily that we need to walk on water, but I believe He's trying to tell us that we need to get out of the boat. Get out of that comfort zone that we're all in, that we just like to spend our hour on Sunday, but we need to step out of that zone and do something for Christ. I know I'm a good one to talk about this because I spent many, many years trying to run from Christ. When I was called to the ministry, I was scared to death to be in front of people. And I still am. I'm still nervous to be in front of people. That's the honest truth, believe me. And I spent many years trying to say, God, I'm not the person because I can't be in front of people. I can't speak to them. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. But I have learned over the years, and I had to take baby steps to learn this, between going to lay classes and learning to teach a Sunday school class, and from there we started going turns. The church I came from, we would have people do the beginning of the service, taking turns till the pastor would get there because he was doing multiple churches. So you learn being in front. And you're nervous every time. Believe me, I'm always nervous. But over time, you learn to get past that uncomfortable stage. That God will help you through it. And God has taught me to follow His Word, to try to follow what He's trying to tell me when I listen, 
So if someone tells me it was a good service, I'd say thank him, not me. I finally was listening. But it's because of God that we learn to step out of that comfort zone and we learn to do His work. And God is still in control. God is still wanting each one of us to turn to Him before the end of time. And I believe that end of time may be sooner than we realize. It may be why we're having all the problems that we're having in the world. It may be why there's this COVID going around. I don't know. I just know that God is in control. And it's up to us. It's up to us to follow His lead. It's up to us to spend time in prayer. It's up to us to be closer to Him before the end of time comes. We should be watching and waiting. We need to be following God's lead. We need to get out of the boat. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, You are a great and awesome God. And Lord, even with all the problems around us, even with everything that's going wrong, we know that you are in control. Lord, we thank you. Thank you because you have blessed us. You have taken care of us. You have shown us that you are there. May we help those who do not know you to find you as their Lord and their Savior. So guide us through the days ahead. Help us to step out of that comfort zone. Help us to step out of, the, out of the boat and do what you're calling us to do. For Lord, I believe as you were in the days of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, and you were there guiding them through their steps, through the future ahead of them, I believe that you're still guiding our future. You're still guiding our lives. May we do what you're calling us to do. And we thank you. Thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.